The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write film reviews for IGN. I wrote a thing for TV Guide. I was very proud of that. <laughs> and uh, everybody calls me your royal sex machine. And welcome back to Ghastly Toba! <laughs> Please stop that. Okay. Uh, it's Halloween <laughs> month and we do a bunch of horror shows. Mm. I canceled too soon. All of them were picked by our Patreon subscribers. That's right. They were all polls. That's right. Um, and boy, this month hit a couple of snafus. Sorry about that. Everyone's sick. Uh, this Everyone's is, sick in October. This October has been the, the utter pits. Just uh, yeah. overall, I'm... I'm I have to admit, I'm not much in a Halloween spirit. Mm-hmm. It's been difficult to get into the spirit when your state is on fire. That's literally? Been a, that's been a big problem. I think there are literally ten fires burning in Southern California right now, like which could, means... Like, going, it's up the street from us. Like, you could smell it. And you like could see the big, big clouds of smoke. The sunset was the different color the other day, just because oh, there yeah, was so it, much putrid it, air. It, it looks really apocalyptic in the evenings around here. And This is how we'll die. And and uh, when you go outside, you get a nice uh, lung full of smoke, and you feel like garbage for two days. And yeah. then you get the stomach flu, and... You're vomiting and in bed and vomiting some more and on a LaCroix and saltines diet. You don't, you don't, you don't drink LaCroix. You bet I do. I'm sorry. I know I'm one of those people. (laughs) I know I just blew your mind. You know, tap water is available, right? (laughs) It's way better. (laughs) No, one is sparkling and has a little flavor in it. And the other one is LaCroix. Hey! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I kind of want to take some sort of LaCroix challenge now, where you got to drink every single can of LaCroix. G- left, left to my own devices, I'm a Tejava man. I know it's pronounced Tejava. Yeah. But it looks like Tejava to me, so I'm going to stick with it. I love Tejava so much. It's so affordable and delicious. I know. And they have new flavors now. Boo! Not, not like sweetened flavors. It's like they have an oolong tea and they have a green tea. Oh, well, that's not so bad. Yeah. Okay, I can handle that. All yeah. Right. That's fine. I, I don't like it when you... I know to some people this is sacrilege. I don't like it when you put sweet stuff in tea. I'm like, I didn't want mm. sugar water okay. that's caffeinated. I wanted stuff that tastes like tea. We just lost every Southern listener <laughs> <laughs> because sweet tea is a thing. I know, I know, I know. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm a monster. I'm, I know. We, we are uh, we're bitter people. We like bitter teas and we like <laughs> gore. We uh, do. And luckily that is uh, a way of me segueing back to the subject at hand. Oh, yeah. We have a podcast. <laughs> which is a gory horror TV show. Yeah. Uh, when uh, we wanted to do a TV show 
uh, this month that was based on or inspired by a horror movie, because there's a lot of those. Mm. And uh, our Patreon subscribers went for a franchise that is very near and dear to my heart and to Whitney's heart. It's a great film series. It has one of, and I stand by this, one of the great horror protagonists. I 100% agree. In the medium's history. Uh, And... While a lot of people are at least know or are fond of the original film, the sequels not so much, and all the sequels are of varying quality. Sure, they all have a kind of ineffable charm, and the characters are all really great. And it makes sense that you would turn this into a TV series. And we're about to explore the world of Perfection Nevada. In, do you want to say it? No, I want you to say it. Tremors. On Sci-Fi, another day in Perfection, Nevada, where good, honest, hard-working people are just trying to make a living without dying. Let's move! I don't know how you guys put up with it. Day in, day out. Possibilities for disaster boggle the mind. Tremors, the series, a special two-hour premiere, Friday, March 28th at 9, only on Sci-Fi. I love Tremors. <laughs> I've loved Tremors since I first saw Tremors. Mm. I think I might have seen it in the theater. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it came out in 1990. 1990. Um, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but it was a regular rent from my local video store. Yeah. Uh, I watched it with every one of my friends. Uh, directed by Ron Underwood, starring Fred Ward, Kevin Bacon. Uh, it is a really great monster movie. Then if you haven't seen it, mm. I'm, I know I say this a lot. I'm serious. Stop the podcast. <laughs> at least watch the first movie. Yeah, the first Tremors is just astonishingly it, good. It's really clever. It's really unusual. Like, it's not really based on anything. Like, it has the look and feel of a lot of B-movies from the 1950s. They're about people in the desert, attacked by monsters, attacking the giant Gila monster, that kind of thing. But it's very well written, very clever, full of memorable characters, and the monsters are really unique. Yeah, uh, the the monsters in the Tremors series, the monsters are not called Tremors. Nope. They actually address that in one of the sequels. It's like, do I get to see one of the Tremors? No, they're called Graboids, dummy. (laughs) They nickname them Graboids. Because they're not very clever people. Yeah, (laughs) and I love that. Like, they're trying... It, it struck this little town of Perfection, Nevada, which has a, a population of like twenty. It's it's not even a city. It's basically a pit stop. It's yeah. where it's where you get gas if you're stuck in the desert. Yeah, and, and there's like a one rest stop slash convenience store. Yeah, and there's we, like there's like a, I think there's a mechanic and like a couple of like people who sell like rinky dink, you know, like roadside, tchotchkes and yeah, stuff. Tchotchkes yeah, and things. And there's like one uh, in the original movie. There's one couple. Of right wing gun nut, the the Cold War is going to yeah, kill us survivalists all. Survivalists living out like up in the hill, uh, played by but, Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre, <laughs> and they're delightful. Yeah, but the the Gummers, and um, we'll get to Burt Gummer because Burt Gummer becomes the lead of the series. But yeah, in the original Tremors, he's just part of the ensemble. But yeah, the Graboids are a like forty foot long subterranean worm monsters, essentially, Mm -hmm. that can burrow real fast. Yep. Like a fish through water. And they have these little tongue-like tendrils with mouths on them that reach up out of the ground and can grab you. And 
They're blind. They can only sense you by uh, the vibrations so on the ground. So they're kind of like the sandworms from Dune, although not quite as big as the sandworms from mm. Dune. And um, and so the gimmick of Tremors is a lot of times they don't even eat you. They just like would strand people up a telephone pole and mm. then they die of dehydration. <laughs> Well, the, it's really yeah, scary, they, they do try to eat people, and the gag is you have to stay off the ground. Mm-hmm. You have to stay off the ground, and if you are on the ground, you have to stay perfectly still. You can't run because mm. as soon as you make a tremor, a vibration, they get you. Mm. It's it's the floor is lava. The movie, <laughs> actually, and, actually, and, and yeah, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> the floor, it's, it's the floor is lava. The movie, and you know, somebody was clearly thinking of that. They were watching their kids oh, playing you. the floor is lava. It's like, what if there really was a monster under the ground? And it's really charming. Ron Underwood gives it a lot of personality. Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon are great characters. Burt Gummer is a wonderful character. Um, it's not the Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward show, even though they're like the stars. It's it's an ensemble piece. Yeah, yeah. And it really is about everybody in the town sort of facing this thing together. Yeah. Uh, by the time we got to the sequel, Kevin Bacon didn't come back, but Fred Ward did. Mm-hmm. The se- uh, and all the sequels, all the sequels went mm-hmm. straight to video. Yeah, like Tremors did okay, but only did but it made most of its money, I think, on straight to video. So all the sequels went straight to video. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So the second Tremors movie, Tremors Two Aftershocks, uh, is um, no, it came out after Jurassic Park, so they changed the monsters to look a lot more like Velociraptors. So there's like little little Velociraptor sized monsters now that are walking around on top of the ground, and the shtick is. They look at you through your heat. Yeah. Okay. So the idea the, the is the creatures evolve in the first Fr- three. Fred movies. Ward, uh, Kevin Bacon has somehow parlayed his graboid experience into mm-hmm. uh, a, a semi-successful C-list celebrity career. Like I uh-huh. imagine he's on a reality TV show now, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, Fred Ward didn't make anything of himself. He ended up taking all the money he made from his Graboid success and invested it in an ostrich farm, which is not paying off. (laughs) So when the Mexican government comes to him and says, hey, we know you have experience with these Graboids, we have a Graboid problem Mm. uh, near, I think, like a quarry or something. Uh, Would you mind killing these Graboids? And he does. But the Graboids, turns out, is just the first stage in an evolution (laughs) of the creature. And eventually they pop open like an egg Mm. And inside, like are, the creatures like, themselves pop open like an egg. Yeah, and yeah, not like they lay eggs; they just mm. they just explode. And inside them are a new kind of monster called shriekers. And shriekers make loud noises, but yeah, they sense your heat and they run after you if you have body heat, you know, like a person. Mm. And then they eat the fuck out of you. Mm. And uh, the other thing about shriekers is that they multiply asexually if they eat enough food. Yeah. Odd thing, it leads to a really great finale. Like the end of Tremors 2 is really funny because of this. And Michael Gross is just like, I didn't know. How could I have known? I quote that all the time and no one knows what I'm talking about. Um, Tremors 3, back to perfection. Fred Ward is gone and now it is officially the Burt Gummer show. And I think Michael Gross took over as producer at this point. Um, it's around here, yeah. I don't know if it was this film or the next, but. Um, and in this one, they go back to Perfection Nevada, and there's a lot of shenanigans going on. We, we were reintroduced to the ensemble cast. Some people came back, some people didn't. Mm. Um, like one of the child actors came back. When well, they were one of the adult. child actors went on to uh, be in, in, in Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, yeah, she was the little girl in Jurassic Park. Um, I think she came back for this. And um, 
it's basically there's there's more graboids. Burt Gummer is trying to stop the graboids, but also one of like the the kids from the original is now like a a, a land developer and wants to bulldoze perfection. <laughs> and they're all trying to save their homes and. Two things happen in this one. One, we find out the third and final evolution of the Graboid. <laughs> it goes from a Graboid mm. to a Shrieker. Two, and I still can't believe they completely committed to this. Ass Blasters. They call them Ass Blasters. They become gliding monsters that shoot like a sulfuric fire mm. out of their posterior. That <laughs> blasts them into the air. Yeah. Like they, they explode out of their butts. And they have like little soaring wings. They don't fly. Like, they they, they can't fly like a bird. They, but they can glide back down to the ground. Like a flying fish, but yeah. with an exploding butt. Um, interesting idea for a monster. Mm-hmm. Stupid ass name, but it's in keeping with the tradition. <laughs> so I guess it's fine. But every time it comes up in later sequels or in the TV mm-hmm. show, I mean, I was watching this with my wife, and she wasn't as familiar with the series, and she was like, Really? And I'm like, yeah. Well, I call them ass blasters. I, I, it's not the it's mm. not the franchise's proudest moment. Yeah, um, but uh, but the other thing about back to, back to perfection is we meet El Blanco. El Blanco is the Moby Dick of the graboids. Yeah, it is a albino graboid, which is terrorizing perfection Nirvana. But and the film's sort of kind of a twist ending, not really, but like you know, not where you th- thought it would go. Uh, El Blanco is somehow mutated in some way or is in some way deficient in some whatever he needs to reproduce el blanco will always be a graboid he never Hmm. bursts open and turns into shriekers and as a result he might live forever he's uh, well and it's here where the tv series comes in because they're actually there's tremors four five and six as well but they were made after the series Mm mm-hmm and they're and all pretty good. They're all pretty good. Yeah, six, six is probably the worst, but it's still pretty good. It's yeah, it's still watchable. I yeah. mean, uh, the idea with six was that I think it's called a cold day in hell, and yeah. um, it was supposed to be graboids in the snow, but they couldn't but afford. They, snow. they could like uh, whatever location they chose. Like they had really bad luck, and there wasn't snow at the time. <laughs> So it was just really cold, and that's not like no, really. They, they came up with a good new ensemble, and all the characters are really colorful. And Burt Gummer is Burt Gummer, but uh, yeah, it doesn't work. But yeah, um, after Tremors three, they made a Tremors TV show. It was produced by Michael Gross and the original creators of uh, Tremors, who mm-hmm. I need to uh, give proper credit to here: S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. Uh, mm-hmm. who wrote the screenplay or the uh, at least the story. For the first several, and um, then the latest two uh, Tremors movies with uh, Jamie Kennedy mm. uh, and Burt Gummer. But okay. uh, Jamie Kennedy shows up in the last two. They didn't have anything to do with those. Um, and uh, also, Tremors 3 and Tremors the series were also uh, co-written and created by uh, Nancy Roberts. Okay. Um, but yeah. um, the premise of Tremors the series begins with the end of Back to Perfection, where yeah, and we we have to lead all into this because this is in canon. Oh, totally, the canon. movies. Yeah, this is not like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where the, what happened before is a vague backstory. Like it's all canonical. Mm. Perfection is secure. Nothing can happen to anyone in Perfection. No one can buy their land or fuck up their land because. El Blanco is an endangered species. <laughs> it's a protected species. So they have to protect its habitat, and because people already lived on it, they basically exploited a loophole on the government where everyone who lived in perfection gets to stay there so long as they don't endanger the graboid mm. or vice versa. So they have to protect themselves from El Blanco constantly while 
also protecting Oblanco. But while also trying to make a living running this little pit stop in the middle of nowhere in Nevada. So basically every single one of them is in basically kind of employed by the government. If you've ever been to a national park, mm-hmm. so there's the person who runs the, the souvenir shop uh-huh. at the national park. Uh, there's someone it was, who like uh, it's. I think it's still called Chang's. Chang was the character from the first one. He died in the first film. Yeah, great character uh, too. Um, and uh, hold on, let me let me get to the. Uh, hmm. I had I had this up. Here we go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so here here is our cast of characters. Hmm. Uh, we have a new guy uh, named. Uh, Tyler. Sorry, Tyler Reed, yeah, hmm. played by Victor Brown. Uh, he is our new hunk because we don't really have one otherwise. We keep losing hunks in this franchise. I was going to say Michael Gross, but... uh, Well, you know, young hunk. There's like a shot in one of the episodes where he's literally doing the James Dean thing with the cowboy hat, the feet up in the car. Well, there's one episode where he's just... uh, He he only exists to walk out of a motel shower. Mm. He's just shirtless, wearing nothing but a towel, looking like, you know, a million bucks. You want to eat him, but he, he... He's not much of a character. He's sort of like the... Ev- he's supposed to be the hunky everyman. Basically. And he's only there for sex appeal. Yeah, his his job in the town is he uh, he runs the Graboid Experience Tour. It's like he, whale watching, but you might see a Graboid. Yeah, exactly. So he puts you in a Jeep. Then you drive around like the desert for a while. Hmm. Some, sometimes you see El Blanco. But that is not guaranteed, and that is in the paperwork. <laughs> which really pisses people off, and that's kind of funny. So it's, it, I like, yeah, they're they're making their living through... What is essentially a really crappy tourist trap. Yeah. Uh, so then we have uh, running the store is uh, Jody Chang, mm-hmm. played by Layla Lee. I think she's the niece or daughter. She's a, a relative of, of Chang from the movie. Yeah. Um, and she's, it's interesting, she's a very ambitious entrepreneur. You'd think she'd leave. <laughs> well, she moves in with this big ambition to turn perfection around. Perfection has a population that you can like fit in a photograph. <laughs> A close-up. Yeah, a close-up photo. <laughs> but um, she she runs the gift shop, and um, on top of it all, she is trying to exploit whatever she can. So they have, like, little ass blaster lighters yeah. that you can buy where the lighter's out in its butt, that kind of thing. And It, it all feels very authentic to me. Yeah, like, I if, if you've it. ever gone on a road trip from L.A. to Vegas, which, you know, anybody who lives in L.A. has done... Uh, oh, it's so awful. There, there's a lot of really weird, interesting places you can stop that sell you garbage tchotchkes like that. Oh, well, my favorite one is the, not really... The SEMA Mining Company is a good place to get, like, candied kiwis mm, and sarsaparilla. You ever go to Alien Jerky? Oh, yeah. They'll it's in, jerk it's in, anything. It's in Baker, right? Uh, in or just outside of, oh. yeah. They'll jerk anything. Mm. I had a jerked clam. Let Ew. me tell you something. Oh, it's sick. not good. It's no. not. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. <laughs> but by God, I had one. Beef, pork, turkey, stop. That's it. That's where you get. <laughs> you can jerk anything. Uh, a jerk seafood is not. You do not get to do that. Uh, then there's a Rosalita Sanchez played by Gladys Jimenez. Mm. Uh, she runs. Basically, she runs a farm. But I'm not sure, like, she seems to only have, like, one cow. Like, I'm not sure what exactly... She provides dairy for the town. There's only 20 people. Maybe one cow can cover it. Um, Her big thing is she used to be a Vegas showgirl, and Mm. she has... It's hinted that she has a past that 
I don't think she Might. was that anything illegal, but I think she knew a lot of criminals. Yeah, like there's an episode where a couple of like gangster wise guys show up, and Rosalita's just like, "No, nah, I know these type of guys. I can get yeah. away from these guys." Well, she she used to live on the strip, yeah. So you know, organized crime. It was all just sleaze. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We're missing a couple of people mm. here. Uh, there is Nancy Sterngood. Uh, who is a character who was in the original series, uh, original films, played by different actors. This is Marcia Strassman, mm. who sadly is not with us anymore. She was the mom in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's right. Um, I really like her as an actor. I really like her character mm. because she moved to Perfection Nevada specifically to sell tchotchkes. That was her ambition. Yeah, that's all she wanted. She moved there. Her kid like she, resents her for it. We see her come back eventually, and like you moved to perfection on purpose. I could have been out was, having experiences. Was that the the same girl from no. the movie, or no. was it different? Different, oh, okay. different actor playing her daughter. Different actor playing the mom. But same characters. Same character. That's what I meant. Is it, yeah. it's the same character. Same characters. Right. Um, and she's really down to earth and likable, and just a little new agey. And she actually cares about very particular moral issues. Not that everyone else. Is like an a-hole but like she's very sensitive and sweet and she's like a mom character but without being matronly without being matronly and I got the impression that they were trying to push a slight maybe will they won't they romance thing with Bert somewhere down the road but Mm. they clearly didn't get there yet well, I think uh, they realized the characters had some chemistry and they just didn't have time to play with it. Yeah. Well, also, that's kind of antithetical to Bert. And you'll notice we're holding off on Bert. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we're, we're about to gush about Bert. I, I just want to make uh, sure I'm not forgetting some. Uh, oh, and, and then uh, lastly, there's Dean Norris, uh, hmm. who plays W.D. Twitchell. Dean Norris, you will recall from everything. He's one of those <laughs> character actors who's been in every movie. He was in, like, Lethal Weapon 2 and Total mm. Recall. And then, finally, he, in the late 2000s, he finally got a big breakout role in Breaking Bad mm. as uh, Walter White's brother-in-law. Mm. Um, great role. Oh, good for him. I, yeah. I, I've, oh, didn't, I've seen Dean Norris and everything. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. You didn't, you didn't watch Breaking Bad? Ne- never saw it. Oh, it's really good. But um, I, I know that's the cliche. But it, it's true. It really is really good. And um, Yeah, he plays a guy who is, you know, in, in Breaking Bad, he's out to get Walter White, doesn't realize he's his brother-in-law. And... Um, He's great on that show. He's always been great in everything, but he tended to get a lot of silly supporting genre roles, and mm. this is one of those. Well, he's got one of those great, really workable supporting actor faces. He's, yeah. uh, he's, he's bald. He's got a good concerned face. Uh, he, he's a fine actor, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he got cast just for his look because he looks kind of like a cop. He got, got, he got cast as a lot of cops. Yeah. You'll see that in his career. He's got sort, sort of like a thick torso and a thick neck and no hair. So yeah, he's a... Uh, he has that sort of cop, that kind of Michael Chiklis cop look. Mm-hmm. And here, but, but before Michael Chiklis stole his look, and and here he plays a government agent who is responsible for keeping an eye on things because this is protected wildlife land. Mm. So he, one of the things that they kind of drop after a while, but if the town is in danger from El Blanco or any other, you know, environmental disasters, which there are more than just El Blanco on the show. Uh, it's his responsibility to kick everybody off their land. So they're always mm. like, we have to solve every problem as it occurs or he'll kick us off our land. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of the antagonist of the series, but it's all presented very playfully. Yeah. Like, he, he's more like a thorn in their side mm. than an antagonist, really. Because, you know, he's he, he's likable. He eventually forms something akin to friendships with some of them. But he also will, like... Send Bert Gummer off on missions, which is hilarious because Bert hates the government and mm. doesn't want to work for him. Um, and then, yeah, which brings us to Bert Gummer. Uh, Bert Gummer, um, Ash from Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kind of the same. Uh, he is. Not, they're not the same. They're the same yeah, no, in their I mean, greatness. It, that's what. That's what I mean. Like yeah, in, in terms of their their pop culture presence, like in my brain. Yeah, they're kind of equals. Uh, Bert Gummer is a mistrusting survivalist. He owns dozens and dozens of guns. One of the greatest shots of the first movie is uh, when a graboid breaks into his bunker. And we see a close-up of the monster, and we pan over to Burt Gummer, and he's panicking, and we keep on panning over to their wall of guns. So it's just Michael Gross from Family... It's a Family Ties. Family Ties. But Michael... I always want to say Family yeah. Matters. It's Michael Gross from Family Ties, and Reba, Reba McIntyre... Taking up shotgun after shotgun after shotgun. It's like that... blasting the dickens out of this giant worm monster. It's like that scene in Predator, where all the badasses in Predator are shooting at the Predator, and they hit nothing. Like, uh-huh. imagine that, but it's the dad from Family Ties and Reba McIntyre picking up every gun that's ever been invented <laughs> and shooting a giant worm that is 20 feet away from that them. That is in the same room as them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a scene! That's oh, so great. Uh, uh, Reba McIntyre left him between one and two because mm. the gag, and I actually really like how they played it off, was the Cold War ended and she wanted to move on mm. and he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like she was just like, well, I guess the, the Soviets aren't going to come in and we'll have to protect the world Red Dawn style. It's time to get jobs. And he's just like, no! This is all I've, uh, this is what I believe in. He is a, a, a creepy, violent survivalist that you love. He's so funny. He is unbelievably likable. And of course, this is because Michael Gross plays the role. Michael Gross is such a warm, affable actor. That even when he's cussing and saying phrases like ass blasters, A, he sells it. Mm. He never seems to be embarrassed to be here. He loves being here. I think he kind of loves Burt Gummer. I think he does. You interviewed him once. He had a very, on a podcast episode when we covered the entire original Tremor series. I think he was sick that day, so it was just he and I one on one. It was great. I was sick and I was jealous because (laughs) I really wanted to do that interview. It was a really good interview. Yeah, Yeah. it was cool. I really liked how we talked about how, you know, Burt is, he's a right wing gun owner. He's Mm. very firmly believes in his right to bear arms, and he will bear as many arms as he possibly can. And we talked to Michael Gross about that, where here you're portraying that character. Does that affect your politics? And Michael Gross is like, I believe in the Second Amendment. I just believe it stops at militia. (laughs) So like, he doesn't necessarily agree with Bert, but he Mm. plays the shit out of him. He's so good. So he does have all of these weird kind of bonkers conspiracies about how the government is out to get them, but he's finally found a place where he fits in. Yeah. And He's a loner who has to get along with a group, which is always a great dynamic. I think mm-hmm. that's why people like Wolverine. Yeah, it's it's not. He doesn't we, really fit a group we, dynamic. Yeah. We we don't like Wolverine when he's just out in the woods by himself. Who cares? It's when he has to get along with the team that he becomes more interesting. Yeah, uh, I feel the same way about Burt Gummer. Burt Gummer wants to stay in a bunker and just sort of watch conspiracy videos <laughs> or record conspiracy video, videos. But he is part of an ensemble. He has to go down into perfection and interact with people all the time. Yeah. And, and also, so he's trying to take control and trying to be kind of aloof, but you can tell that he's also kind of patronly. He's kind of trying to take well, care of these people. This is why I think Burt Gummer, like, even if you don't agree with his politics, which he's open about and he talks about, yeah, he he's... All of his uh, uh, proclivities, his beliefs, his theologies, whatever you want to call it, um, they're all, he just, he wants to protect people. Mm. He actually cares about people. Like, that's where it all comes from. Yeah. It doesn't come from his own ego, a little bit, but it doesn't really come from there. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't come from hatred. It comes from, he genuinely cares about people. Uh-huh. He genuinely wants to protect people. He genuinely, he doesn't trust the government because the government 
does indeed screw people over, mm. and he doesn't have a ton of he's conspiracies. A, <laughs> that every time Bert has he's a conspiracy a hot, he's theory, a <laughs> well, every time Bert has a conspiracy theory, it turns out to be true. Mm. Like it's just, and it's not really super complicated. It's like, oh, there's uh, some weird monster. Oh, they probably had a secret bunker full of scientists doing bad stuff. Mm. Yeah, as it turns out, yes, yes, yes actually, yes, Bert, you're and, you're 100 right. And and he never he never like stomps his he never says I told you so. He just sort of sucks his teeth. I knew it. See, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, and you and that's the cool thing about uh, Tremors the, the the movies and indeed Tremors the show is the existence of giant monsters that push us down the food chain mm-hmm. justifies Bert's existence. Yeah, yeah. So he went from being completely on the fringe of society to being a minor celebrity who is actually incredibly useful. <laughs> so if there are, he is a Graboid expert. He's killed more Graboids and Shriekers and Ass Blasters than anyone in Elton history. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's a problem, he's sent there. Stri- he's, he's, he struts a little bit, you know. He had some fun with it, but he well, kicks some butt. He, he's he's arrogant, but it's earned. He's yeah. he's very confident. Whenever he shows up in a new scenario, or just sort of kick a door and is like, "Okay, you guys need to get out of here." There's a monster cut. Like he just lays it down. He's like, "Yeah, come on, Bert Gummer. Okay, you'll die if you don't listen to me." And here's the thing: he's Michael Gross. Like he's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like exuding military authority yeah, or, yeah. or s- physical strength. He looks like your dad. He's, like, he's kind of a gangly guy. Yeah. Where's the the shades? He's got sort of that funny survivalist mustache. He looks like you should be cap. deciding if you should get a small loan at a bank. Like that's that's the vibe. He's got physically. No, but well, I'd, I'd say he's like the guy behind you in line at the bank that you just want <laughs> to get to your teller fast. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. He doesn't give off any kind of over, like a threatening vibe. Yeah. Um, golly, what a great character! Fascinating, I, difficult to pull off. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, he, uh, Michael Gross, produced the series. You could tell he loved Burt Gummer. Burt Gummer was getting him a lot of work at the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he gets to just keep on playing this role that he has learned to live in. Um, I was so bummed out when they announced we're going to do another Tremors series. This was earlier this year. They talked yeah. about doing a second uh, Tremors TV series. I said, and we're going to bring Kevin Bacon back. And I was like, this is a Michael Gross series now. I Kevin don't... Bacon was in one of these. Yeah. He doesn't get to claim this as his any longer. I don't mind Kevin Bacon coming back. I like Kevin Bacon. He's still canonically like part fine, of the series. Yeah. We met his daughter in Tremor 6. Like, That's right. I, I'm like, I'm fine with Kevin Bacon coming back. What bothered me was that Bert didn't. Yeah, that's the thing that bugged me was the implication that all of the other Tremor sequels were going to be written out of continuity. And when a lot of people do that, like when Halloween 2018 came out and it just said that all the other Halloween twos weren't real and this Halloween two is the real Halloween Mm -hmm. two. If you have any affection for those other movies, that can be really frustrating. Yeah. Now, it's all made up. I mean, <laughs> well, we, can, we can just believe whichever one we want. But if it's going to continue and not the way you want it to, a little frustrating hmm. as a fan. However, I remember I tweeted or someone else tweeted about this. And one of the guys who was res- like a producer on that new show hinted that maybe it wasn't as unconnected as it looked. Okay. That was the implication I got, but I don't know. And obviously we'll never know because mm. although they shot a pilot for that new Tremors series, that pilot has never seen the light of day mm. and it didn't go to series. Um, if anyone has access to that pilot, we would love, <laughs> love to cover it on Cancel Too Soon. Mm. We would love it. Mm. Like, we'll give it a shot. We love Tremors. Like, we want to like that show. But uh, we'll have to see if, if it's actually any good. Mm. Um, so anyway, so the premise of the show... 
all of these people are living in a very small town, and every week there's some sort of monster-related shenanigan. Some cr- crisis that needs addressing in a monster way. For the first, and we'll go through this episode by episode, but the first few weeks are actually like pretty smart because the first episode is all about a graboid. It's all about a Blanco. Mm. Second episode was all about Shriekers. A shrieker, yeah. And then the next episode was all about Ass Blasters. So we got it covered. The gamut. Each version <laughs> of the of the Graboid has its own episode. It's all introduced. Um, but by three episodes in, you start thinking, well, now what? Like, you can't do this every yeah. week, can you? Well, it, it seems like such a wonderful premise at first. Okay, it's a little town with, uh, a t- it's a, with a tourist trap, and the tourist trap is they have a real monster, and they have to look after the monster. Yeah. And, and you think, okay, that's great. You can populate it with interesting characters. You can have people come in from out of town. But if it's got to be a monster you start, show, you realize that it's going to get old hat. Well, yeah, you realize that there aren't, pretty quick, that there aren't a lot of ideas that can be explored here. And over the course of the series, you can see them run out of ideas pretty quick. <laughs> and uh, halfway through the series, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, uh, they introduce a concept that was clearly specifically designed to break open the franchise. And like maybe uh, you could do spinoffs or at least have a different kind of monster every week. And it's so dumb, you guys. It, it you so know, it's, dumb, you guys. It, it's dumb, but you know, the, the series is. Uh, I mean, it's lower budget than the movies. Oh yeah, and it it plays because it's it can't be as gory or as hard edged as the movie. Even though the movies were never hard edged. No, although but the, the show first, is actually kind of gory. Actually, there's the show's some, like, kind of gory. There's but some stumps. <laughs> there, there's, <laughs> there's yes, there's, there's, there's like scattered entrails here and there, but there's like one gore shot in every yeah. episode. But you can tell that it's trying to play a little bit more friendly. Yeah. And that's something I've always liked about the Tremor series, is they feel friendly. Yeah. Well, they, and, have, they, have when, this, they have this Amblin Entertainment vibe, where they feel like they belong in the same... Yeah, yeah. So, somewhere off in the E.T. universe, there's Perfection Nevada. Mm, the, it, it's Yeah, there's wonderment to it, rather than threat. Yeah. And uh, as such, you can tell that they're going through a little bit more of a... Cartoony isn't the isn't the vibe, but I guess friendly is just the best way to put it. A friendlier yeah. vibe. And when Christopher Lloyd shows up, you realize, oh, I know where I am now. I'm in <laughs> I'm in a show where Christopher Lloyd plays a mad scientist. So th- this is skewed off into something a little sillier and a, a monster of the week show that started in that like set in the Tremors world. Totally okay with. Yeah. You say it's dumb. I say it's actually a good choice. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think there are dumb things that they do around it. Well, that that that's fair. Okay. Uh, so let's. We're gonna go off of uh, like many of the shows that we cover on Cancelled Too Soon. Sci-Fi aired Tremors out of order. Yeah. Sci-Fi aired Tremors out of order because in their infinite wis. I'm sorry. Finite wisdom. <laughs> Uh, and their wisdomlessness. Uh, they thought they would put all like the juicy episodes up front. Problem with that, though, is every and seriously every every network listen to us, please. Every time you do that, you leave the crappy episodes for the second half of the season, and that's where you lose your audience. <laughs> you can't can't front end it like that. Like Tremors, actually, there are, there isn't a lot of super important continuity here. There's like a couple of characters are introduced, and then you kind of have to do their episodes after that. But there are a lot of episodes you could totally put in different order and it really wouldn't matter. Mm. But, yeah, you you put the crap ones at the end. So we're going to do it in the DVD order, which is the production order. At least as near as I can tell. Okay. 
It, um, it, it didn't seem to play out of order. I, I watched it on the, the DVDs as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so the first episode is Feeding Frenzy. We are introduced to El Blanco. Uh, a bunch of land developers are here to develop the land, and El Blanco... It's basically just reintroducing the characters, introducing yeah. the new hunky guy... Setting up who, a few... who just drives into town. Like yeah. there's not a big to do no. about. He it. drives into town. He takes a picture with himself, like with like the sign, like you know, just off the road mm. that says "Perfection Nevada Graboid Country." Stay on the road, mm. and of course, he almost immediately gets eaten by a graboid, and then eats another guy, and then yeah. Burgummer saves him. It's like I told mm. them to t- put this sign somewhere else. <laughs> People take he taking their pictures with the sign, and the sign is where they can get eaten by El Blanco. Uh. Um, we're also introduced to the fact that, um, El Blanco just runs around everywhere. So every <laughs> once in a while, just in the middle of a normal scene of people talking in their house or in the convenience store, everything rumbles because El Blanco goes by <laughs> and they have to pause everything and like it hang just, on to anything valuable. And Cause it, it is a monster. It'll eat them. Yeah. It not, and, and on top of it, it creates little earthquakes. So mm-hmm. that is another thing they have to worry about. Uh, we also introduced that everyone has little mini seismographs that they carry on their wrists like a wristwatch just to let them know if El Blanco is nearby, which is actually smart. It's also not the way a seismograph works, but okay. Well, the idea is that they're actually they're actual seismographs. They, like they, it communicates with a real seismograph. Yeah, basically they have a little radio thing mm. on their wrist that lets them know when the actual seismographs that are mm. posted throughout Perfection Nevada, if it's if they're whatever one they're near has an El Blanco vibration, it lets them know so they can seek higher ground or whatever. Mm. Um, anyway, we meet Dean Norris and everything is fine. Uh, the second episode, uh, is Shriek and Destroy. Then we get to the Shrieker. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, in this one, Bert and the new guy, whose name I always forget because he's just Tyler. the new guy. Bert and Tyler Tyler are, Reed. Dean Norris hires mm. Bert and Tyler to go to a nearby town, a more populated town, uh, where there may be a Shrieker infestation. Mm-hmm. And it's their job to kill all the Shriekers. Problem is, the town is in the middle of a big Pioneer Days festival. No one wants to leave. Um, and, uh, yeah, they have to fight them all off. There's a mm-hmm. couple of fun bits where uh, Bert doesn't have the right firepower, so they have to, like, break into someone's house who has a bunch of guns. Everyone knows, like, this guy has a lot of guns. But they're it's, Civil War yeah, it turns guns. turns out they're, like, yeah, muskets. <laughs> and... What what I love, and I love this in any show, where you get to see people who are good at something just do what they're good at. Yeah. And I think that's what I admire about Burt Gummer, is that he's just good at stuff, and he gets to do the stuff he's good at. He's never out of his element, which is such an insufferable uh, story element that's used all too often. Yeah. And so it's like, okay... We broke into this guy's house. We took all his Civil War era guns. Well, shoot, these aren't going to work. Wait a minute, we have 30 guys, and if they each have one musket, maybe we can do that. Like, they actually, like, think ahead and they solve problems. Mm. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, the next episode is Blast from the Past. Mm. Uh, and this episode, uh, Bert is teaching a survival school. Well, they, I think they toyed with this at the end of the last episode, where what is what is Bert doing there? Like, he's a yeah. survivalist. He likes being able to sort of look over the monsters. He's found a calling. But how is he going to pull his weight in perfection? Like, what what sort of economic value is he bringing to that place? And, well, what's he good at? He's good at survival. So why not set up a survivalist school like mm. wilderness survival how to build shelters and the rest the uh, the fifth movie um in which they actually end up mm. uh, i think they go to africa in south africa on that one yeah um 
that one's actually pretty clever because they established that Bert got his own survival reality show. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it lasted very long, but it has a bit of a cult following. Mm. Um, and that was where he made his money. He also parlayed a celebrity into doing what he loved. Mm. Uh, but yeah, here he's just like everyone else. He's just trying to make ends meet. Um, that yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he's trying to play his survival. I like in this one how he keeps having to run around and like fight off this ass blaster that's causing trouble. And, uh, God, I can't believe I have to keep saying that word. <laughs> anyway, but while he's gone, he has to leave the survival school in the hands of everyone else in town, but none of them are survivalists. So, like, they teach, like, oh, okay, yeah, um, I can teach you how to make a nice casserole. Ooh. <laughs> That's and, survival. And they're all very happy at the end because mm-hmm. they're going to go home to their wives. And it's like, I can finally cook for her. <laughs> Which is sweet. It's a sweet little ending. Um, and then uh, the next one is actually got like... It, it took a few that, episodes. A lot of order, man. This it is took crazy. a few episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, there are actually some surprisingly good cameos in this uh-huh. like just you know like you know actors coming in for a day or whatever but because it's a low budget sci-fi show based on like a straight to video horror movie franchise you wouldn't think they get anyone like super cool mm. but every once in a while they do and in this one we actually get um Michael Rooker mm-hmm. as a like I'm, I'm not sure how much of a get Michael Rooker he's is He's not a get but, but he's a very recognizable that's actor true, that's true. especially now so it's a little bit a little bit before he that's was famous but he was a hard working actor he was in a ton of stuff mm. He was already Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer yeah, which oh, that's true. If you haven't seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer totally different tone from Tremors <laughs> One of the most uh, That's really really unsettling horror movie but maybe yeah. the single most horrifying in the true sense of the word mm. horror movie I've ever seen like just genuinely sucks the goodness out of your soul because you realize it's the depths of human mm. depravity. Michael Rooker is also like Oscar worthy in it. Like he's really fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he plays uh, like a Vegas yeah, mobster. Yeah, Vegas mobster. There are two like <sighs> wacky mob like supporting low, low, characters, low level thugs in the in the mob. Like know? the kind of character, like not based on these characters, but the. Type of characters that John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson are playing in Pulp Fiction. Mm. They're not important, but they do interesting things. <laughs> and uh, they are given a key to an important lockbox, and they're just told to lay low for a few days. Dudes, so just stay in a hotel room and watch TV for a couple of days and keep an eye on this key. So that's literally perfection. your only job. <laughs> yeah. And then they're watching TV and they're t- looking at like a graboid thing. One guy's like, I don't believe it. The other guy's like, well, I do believe it. I like things. Mm. So they decide, since they're not too far from perfection, to go on the tour. And when they don't see a graboid, they go off on their own, and the guy who had the key around his neck gets eaten by El Blanco. So they have to get break into El Blanco. <laughs> and get the key. And, and, and like, my, Rooker shows up, my, and he's going to kill as, El Blanco. Essentially as Ahab. They, they had to do a Moby Dick story. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So they have to, they're trying to kill El Blanco. Everyone has to defend El Blanco. Um, and I was incredibly surprised to find out this episode has a sequel. Uh, and it's and it sucks too. It's, it's the last a, episode. The last episode, and it's although it also has a good cameo, but it has um, a couple good cameos. But yeah, yeah, uh, uh, it, it, you can tell already that, <laughs> that we're that, straining. That they're out of they're out of ideas. Yeah. It's like okay, we had one graboid episode, we had one shrieker episode, we had one ass blaster episode. Do we do another graboid episode? Second graboid? No, that changes like, the premise too much keep, this early. How do we keep the graboids? I think the problem, I think one of the problems they ran into, mm. and I get it because it's a sci-fi original series, you want to have monster shit all the time. Yeah. 
I don't think this is a monster show. It's a show with monster stuff in it. Mm. I think it's an ensemble dramedy about people who live in a monster town. Yeah. And if there's a monster subplot this week, cool. And if not, that's fine. (laughs) As long as the monster shows up at some point and does something vaguely relevant, you're fine. But they kept trying to spike this really hard, and oftentimes it feels really, really phony, and this is one of the first ones where it does. And... uh yeah, they, they they ran out of ideas, so somebody said, we need more monster. We need more monsters in this thing. Uh, we can't do Graboids, because we've already kind of run that, and we don't want to have like them continue to evolve. That makes their mythology too complicated. It's already straining credulity. Yeah, so like, Okay, so first they're worms, and then they walk around, and then they fly? That's I don't understand that life cycle. So in the next episode, it's called Project 412, we meet Christopher Lloyd, who plays a mad scientist who lives far away from Perfection Nevada, but close enough that he can see people through his telescope and he feels like he knows them, Mm. which is kind of a shorthand way to get him in in the group (laughs) without having awkward introductions to everybody. Um, His name is Cletus. Cletus has a monster. He has a pet monster in a shed. It's, It's like a pit bull rhinoceros. Yeah. And, uh, the, it's called Project 412 and, uh, it escapes and it goes on a killing spree, and Christopher Lloyd is trying to save it, mm. while everyone else is trying to kill it. And um, in the end, they do kill it, and it's really, really sad, but they find out the origin of the monster, which leads to a sort of an expansion of the Tremors mythology. Somewhere near perfection, like just on the outskirts of town, mm. there was an underground scientific research bunker where they were doing a whole bunch of genetic experiments. And one of those experiments was something called... And I swear this isn't a DJ. <laughs> Mixmaster. Mixmaster Flash. Um, yeah, it was. It's sort of like a free floating, self sustaining CRISPR. Yeah. Like it, it tinkers itself. And it's sort of. I'm not sure if it's a cloud or if it's in the water or I think how it's, it I think it's like a bacteria, around. but like. Okay. It's, it's basically. It's a biological agent. It's that, in the air. It's in the. It's in the mm-hmm. grass or whatever. Um, that remixes genes. Yeah. If you, if we, they're very clear about this, I'm not sure why. I guess they just didn't want the the cats to feel threatened. It doesn't work on humans. Yeah. But any other species, if they eat it or come into contact with it, it mixes their DNA, kind of teenage ninja turtle style, where it's like whatever animal they were just in contact with. I, I think it is. They have to eat it. Yeah. Like they have to. They have to ingest it. And if they eat an animal, they like kind of turn into that animal. Kind of, yeah. yeah, or something similar or whatever. Anyway, um, and they just turn into a monster thing. And there's a whole bunch of episodes where some random animal happened across some Mixmaster. Hate every time they say it. It's Ass Blaster <laughs> sounds better than Mixmaster. Mixmaster sounds like the placeholder name for something. Ass Blasters is <laughs> well, clearly could, a joke. They Mix- couldn't think of something, so yeah. they came up with Mixmaster. They'd actually called it MacGuffin. It would have been better. That, that would have been clever. Actually, that would have been kind of funny. MacGuffin. So, uh, every few episodes from here on out, it's not all of the rest of the series, but every other episode or so, they run into another Mixmaster monster. Mm. Um, on, Great, it's a Monster of the Week show now. I'm actually fine with that mm. in principle. The actual execution of it is a little weak, but it so gets you there. Some of the monsters are fine. Yeah. Uh, there's a new threat where they uh, the cast gets to solve a mystery and use their skills to defeat it. 
It's fine. It's what's, fine. It's a perfectly decent premise for a monster show. What's weird, though, and it's something they don't really address, is you know their entire livelihood, their way of life, whatever you want to call it, is based off of protecting El Blanco because he's an endangered species. Mm. It's also based off of killing literally every other endangered species they find. Uh, well, you know, if the species is, br- is brand new, it doesn't have a right to live. Right. <laughs> and that's something that I kind of feel is a bit of a it's, missed it's, opportunity. It's the where tu- The Tuvix conundrum. They constantly have to kill everything they show up. I'm like, I feel like what this show could have been. If you'd have gone on to season two or, gr- or three. Gr- grow the Tremors menagerie. Like, if a it's a, bit. if like perfection becomes a wildlife reserve for all monsters. Uh-huh. And they have to keep the monsters like from fighting each other, like a little like a little baby monster island. Like right in go. the middle of Nevada. And it's about the people who are responsible for keeping Monster Island in check. <laughs> like that I think is a better premise than what we have here turns out eventually they get like a godzilla like monster that's like 30 feet tall that could be cool why not like just like that (laughs) that would be hilarious Mm. um anyway we never get there maybe they would have gone there Uh, um christopher lloyd uh actually really sells this character like he's tragic and he's lonely (laughs) and he like has like some real like I, and I've seen Christopher Lloyd sleepwalk through stuff. We like, all he, have. He doesn't always care. I don't even think he... Does he bother saying anything in the Oogie Loves movie? I think he's just standing in a scene. He, he, well, no, he, he dances, and he pretends to play the guitar, but I don't think he has any lines. He, he quote-unquote dances. Like, he's not he really... He kind of stamps his feet a little he's bit. He's not really Jamie Presley it. does all the, the work in that scene. Jamie Presley is, of course, the MVP. Look up the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure sometime oh if you want to see a really scary horror movie. <laughs> One of the worst and least explicable kids' movies <laughs> of the last decade. I think it's... I, I may have been beaten at this point, but I think it does still hold uh, some sort of record for the lowest grossing wide release film ever put out. At least opening weekend. Yeah. Like, it was just... It was... No one cared. And with good cause. I, it's terrible. I bought a ticket. Of course you I went to see did. it in theaters. Of course you did. I, and I, I... And, like, there was... A, a mom there with her kid. They were the only other people in the theater. <laughs> um, Christopher Lloyd comes back a couple of times to do more mm. exposition stuff. He'll be back in the next episode, actually. Well, and he starts a bit of uh, kind of a, a flirtation, I suppose, mm-hmm. with uh, the uh, um, Marsha Strassman character. Yeah. Um, which doesn't go anywhere because he hardly ever comes back mm. and never from for very long. The next episode is called Ghost Dance. And here it's a Mixmaster Monster episode. Uh, there is a, a plant that is kind of spectral now. Mm. Like it looks like a ghost vine that grabs you it's, and like sucks out your water. It's a, a cloud of bacteria that yeah. kind of coheres and is visible and it's kind of luminescent. It looks like a ghost. Yeah. And so everybody thinks, uh, you know, is, is it a, a, a spirit? No, it turns out it's a, a bacteria that sucks out all your fluids and they have to figure out uh, how to lure it in such a way that they can dry it out and seal it in a container. And they do. Mm. It's clever. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's a perfectly okay monster episode. It just aside from the design of the monster, which is okay for a sci-fi channel monster, mm. um, nothing about this episode stood out. Like I remember almost oh, nothing. Yeah. I remember. Do you remember anything else about this episode that's noteworthy? I mean, there there are no other details. It's just them dealing with the monster. Exactly. Uh, the next episode is Night of the Shriekers, because we couldn't let Mixmaster take over the franchise entirely. <laughs> um, 
And uh, there's... Oh, yeah, so this is the one where there is a new government installation, blah, and they're trying to train Shriekers. They're trying to domesticate Mm. Shriekers, where they'll use their, like, heat-seeking vision uh, to find people. Hunt hunt people. Hunt people or rescue people. Like, if there's, like, a big thing of rubble or whatever like Mm. that, Shriekers could find them. It's not the worst idea ever, except it obviously is. Yeah, but... Uh, they have little widgets that control them. Guess what's going to break in this episode? Like, immediately, <laughs> immediately yeah. it's going to do that. Um, hold on a second. I'm looking up the actor who plays uh, the scientist uh, here. Oh, um, uh, she, she She looks like, um, not Meg Tilly. Meg. Meg Ryan? Foster. Meg Foster. She, okay. She's got a Meg Foster vibe. Okay. Um, Melinda Clark. Melinda Clark plays uh, 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 the scientist. Uh, you, you would know her from everything from Spawn to Return of the Living Dead 3. She was on the OC. Um, recognizable character actor. I'm sure you know her from something. Um, yeah, so she's the one who's just like, no, we domesticated the streakers, so it's fine. Everything broke down and they're killing everybody. And it's fine. And they all end up holed up in Bert's bunker. Uh, and, if, and it turns into basically a zombie movie where the Shriekers trying to get in and they know where they are because they have heat-seeking vision. And she she blows up all of Bert's bullets to protect the Shriekers <laughs> because there's a guy out there who has another like Shrieker containment device. Uh-huh. As soon as he gets there, everything's fine, so we don't need to kill any of the Shriekers. And then the device doesn't work and she gets eaten. Um, and there's a cute bit where a bunch of the characters get stuck in a panic room but one of the bullets gets wedged in the door so they oh. can't get him out. <laughs> and all the Shriekers are coming to kill them. And they're like, well, we're out of all those bullets. But it's Bert. Surely he has more. Yeah. In the panic room. <laughs> so they have to find a way to blow up the panic room with people in it. And that's actually it's actually a pretty okay monster episode. Mm. Like, it's actually, I think it's, if I were make, ranking the Tremors episode, this would be near the top. Okay. It's, it makes the most of the Shrieker premise. It asks a valid question where we have these monsters. People do things with animals all the time to make them sort of useful and do jobs for us. Would they try it with a tremor? Fine. Sorry, Graboid. Graboid. Uh, <laughs> you did it again. It's like when you call the, the doctor Doctor Who. Mm. I think we all just need to get over it. <laughs> Frankenstein Monster's name is Frankenstein. I'm just calling it. It's fine. I, Frankenstein is his father. They share a last name. It's fine. Someone pointed out just the other day on Twitter, it's like, yeah, but he, you know, his father rejected him. And I'm just like, yeah, he still has the name. <laughs> so Your name a lot of people hate their dads or vice versa. They still have the name, right? <laughs> Um, The next episode is A Little Paranoia Among Friends. And this is a clever premise for an episode. Because this is the episode where Bert and Tyler are sent to a nearby town to investigate a bunch of Graboid disappearances. But the townsfolk are convinced that it's not Graboids taking people, it's UFOs. The whole town is UFO nutty. And they have UFO conspiracy theories. They're convinced that it's UFOs all the time. Uh, it's supposed to be Area 51 because it's in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But it's not real. It's I don't not know real. Why. They don't mention Area 51. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, when Burt Gummer steps in and tries to say there are graboids coming, they're like, graboids don't exist. It's UFOs. Yeah, you're you're a conspiracy. Like you're a government agent who is trying to stop us from learning the truth. And, and, and he actually yells at them. No, I hate the government. <laughs> yeah, this is like the weirdest situation <laughs> Burt could be in, where he represents the, the he actually, man. Yeah. He actually does represent the government. That's the irony. The government sent him here, like, largely against his will. They kind of blackmailed him into it. Like if you don't do this, we'll cancel we'll t- your take away something but like yeah so he is working for the government so he can't really deny it but he also doesn't really represent the government but everything he says makes him sound like a government agent and that's pretty darn funny yeah yeah yeah. um and and his frustration is palpable he spars with the locals and the celebrity guest was armin shimmerman yay uh, who played cork on star trek deep space nine and many other things as well but that's sort of his his most visible role yeah he was also the principal and buff of the vampire slayer for a couple of seasons Mm -hmm. but he's best known as cork um and um he was in the first atlas shrugged movie okay yes like a lot of people need paychecks okay let's (laughs) uh, another actor who was in this episode who was another character actor you'd seen them all the time, but they didn't get like a big role until later. Was Joel McKinnon Miller, who has been a regular on Brooklyn Nine Nine since the beginning of the show. Oh, okay, was very funny on that show. Um, he's pretty funny here. Basically, it's just Bert and Tyler trying to convince the townsfolk, and the the clever thing actually, Tyler did something clever for like the first time in the show. Was he in order to get them to actually believe them? And it turns out that the satellite dish they were using to send signals to Mars to bring back mm. all of their loved ones—that's <laughs> what's attracting the the graboid. And every time someone comes out to like repair it or fix it or replace a battery, it uh, summons the graboid. It summons yeah. the graboid, and the graboid eats them. And they're not picking up on the on the pattern here. Um. Finally, in order to get them to believe them and do something that's in their own self-interest, Tyler says, "All right." I admit it. We are from the government. <laughs> and he tells them, but like, ah, but, and aliens are real. But here's the twist. Here's what we've been keeping from you. The graboids are the aliens. And everyone's like, oh, of course. It makes perfect sense now. <laughs> the other gag, I think it's in this episode, um, is uh, Bert has long had this ultra high caliber rifle that he's been waiting to use to kill oh, a graboid right. this whole time. He can't, he can't use it on El Blanco, but he's just been sitting there unused for so many years, <laughs> and he's finally going to get to use it on this rogue graboid. And he, he's talking about it, and he's polishing it, and it's his baby. It's this gigantic, it's comic-looking thing. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't think it's a real gun. I, if, if it is, it probably shouldn't exist. And uh, But ultimately, Tyler's the one who gets to use it, and Bert is like, I've been waiting to use that gun for so long. And she had her first dance with you. And that's really, it's really legitimately very funny. That's that. This is, I think this is the best episode of the hmm. series. Uh, um, that's fair. Yeah. Certainly I, up there. I, I think they're all pretty strong. At, at this point in the series, I was on board. I mean, this. I know it's not the 90s. This aired in 2003. We actually didn't lay down the stats. It was on the Sci-Fi Channel oh, in 2003. Yeah, uh, from March 28th uh, to August 8th, 2003. So they took a lot of gaps. But the uh, it, it has that kind of mid-90s sci-fi vibe to mm-hmm. it, where they're working with humor and a small budget rather than uh, you know, something more expansive. Right. Making, I, making it really appealing and intimate. And I like that vibe. I love the tone of this series, actually, yeah. quite a bit. I like a lot of the cast. I think, sadly, some of them get... Not, like, Layla Lee as Jody Chang mm. never gets a subplot. 
It's true. Thirteen episodes really underserved. She she does have a scene in every episode, though. Oh, I mean, she, don't care. She, I'm not she's there, but it yeah. just feels like in thirteen episodes you'd think she'd get and she get an episode. She's also the exasperated one. Like she's like has had a, enough of a lot of every character's BS, but she's also very warm. I think they actually do do her character a good service. I like her character. That's my yeah. point. Is I wanted to see more of her. Mm. I wanted her to have more time to shine. More so than um uh uh. uh the Gladys Humanius character. Yeah, who like, really... Who, who doesn't get... She doesn't get anything to do. No, there's one episode where she's kind of the center of it, but really she's more the inciting incident than yeah, actually, I, like, the the character drives it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 You can tell that they want... Like, they, they hired their beefcakey character. They also wanted a cheesecakey character, and... Neither they of them have much to do. Yeah, neither of them do anything. They don't have any. Yeah. They didn't give them character beyond that, other than to just sort of stand there and look pretty. Yeah. Um, and okay, good. You guys are both good at standing and looking pretty, but I can also tell that you want to do something, right? Yeah. For me, it's just what happens with this episode, with this show, is that it ends up being very episodic, and the episodes are kind of hit and miss. And some mm. of them have a good premise, but they're not executed very well. Some of them don't have a good premise and aren't executed very well, and I just don't think the average mm. necessarily works out, but we'll talk about mm. uh, it overall at the end. Well, un- um, unfortunately, in the next episode, they introduce kind of a fatal element. They introduce a new character mm. who uh, is I think, I think was supposed to be a one-off, but they brought him back real fast. We're talking about flora or fauna. Yeah. Um, and- this is one about uh, flowers that shoot acid in your face, which is actually mm. pretty gross. It's pretty gross, and it, they spread really well, and they don't move around, mm-hmm. uh, making it an interesting threat that they have to deal with. How yeah. do you deal with a plant? It's not like a, a graboid, which moves fast, or you know something that flies through the air. Um, okay, good. Interesting. I'm fine. A new problem to solve. I like it. Be witty in a new way. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. The problem is they introduce a new character named Larry. Oh, Larry. I hate Larry. Larry? What, what was the name of the, that really horrible character? Was it Kelly from uh, Friday the 13th Part 3? The really obnoxious fanboy oh, guy? Oh, 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 not Lenny, not Louie. Mm. Um, oh, I'm going to look it up. I think it was, I could've, I could've, I thought it was Kelly, but... I um, it's not. I could have told you if you hadn't asked me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, you hadn't, if you hadn't suggested a name, uh, I could have done it. Sorry, erase the real name. Three... Um, um, but he's he's a really horrendously obnoxious character. He's a horror fanboy who is supposed to be in Friday the 13th, uh, sort of a stand-in for the audience. Because by the time they were making the third one, Fangoria fandom was sort of open at that point. Yeah. So they put a Fangoria reader in the movie. And the problem is, he's such an obnoxious, abrasive, horrible character that you almost think that the filmmakers are making fun of their own audience. Shelley. Shelley. Shelley was the character in Friday the 13th. I said, I said Kelly. I was close. You were close. You were close. Um, I hate Shelley with Shelley a sucks. fiery passion. And Larry evokes Shelley. He's not as bad as Shelley. No. But he's as, he's obnoxious in the same way. Uh, Larry is played by an actor named J.D. Walsh. Not to be confused with um, J.T. Walsh. I assume they're not related. Um, he's had a lot of small roles and things. He had a small role on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He had a small role in mm. Bad Boys 2. Um, still working. You'll, right. still, you'll see him pop up every once in a while. He was on but Two and a Half Men for a while. He's a, a young kid in this episode. He's like, I think he's still in college. Uh, he's yeah. he's uh, he's working at a Walmart. He's like living in. He's literally living in his parents' basement because mm. that cliche wasn't already old in two thousand three. And uh, he works at a Walmart, and he's a geek. He's a Comic Con geek, pop culture geek, and King. he thinks Tremors are really cool. And he wants to go to town and hang out with all these cool people because they're cool. 
And um, he gets in the way, and he's completely useless and annoying. Until and like one last scene where he does something with his jacket. He does something vaguely useful, mm-hmm. and yeah, I get the impression he's supposed to be a fan insert character from people who don't understand the fans and mm-hmm. don't respect the fans. And I was fine with. Listen, I, I don't like Larry. <laughs> Larry was in my house. I'd tell him to get out. <laughs> but. I could live with Larry for one episode. Oh. Every episode, because every once in a while there's a bad character. It's fine. It's an episodic TV series. It's just new characters all the time. Not the end of the world. Problem is, Larry comes back. Le- not only does Larry come back, but Larry comes back to replace Bert. Sort of. So, well, Let's, uh, effectively. We'll get to that. We'll get to that, because the series is almost over. There's only four I, more episodes. I, I did like, but I did like the, the flower episode. I like the special effects. The, the flowers that they built, like... They look like something out of a Corman film, I think rather deliberately. They look like kind of rubbery and slimy. I think that's the aesthetic you want. It's great. It looks terrific. Yeah. Uh, The next episode is another good episode. It's called Graboid Rights. Uh, And a bunch of animal rights activists have descended upon perfection. It's kind of weird that they hadn't yet, actually. So this is is a smart episode. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. Where they're like, hey, you're exploiting El Blanco. And also we have the scientific research which discovers that all of this human contact with El Blanco might be hurting El Blanco. Mm. And on top of it all, the guy who is in charge of leading the charge is dating Nancy's daughter. Also, he was her professor in college last year. And, it's, also, and, and, oh, they, they, and they confront them both right to their faces about how creepy that is. Uh-huh. And they're like, what? Yeah, so. Also, back in the day, Nancy slept with the dude's dad. Lot going on there that we're really not gonna really not gonna crack open that chestnut too much. <laughs> gonna leave that uh, one unpopped. Mindy, the daughter, is played by an actress named Tinsley Grimes, who is in uh, that '80s show, which we'll get to eventually. Oh, it's only a matter of time before we get yeah. to that '80s show. I think we almost did once, but yeah. um, and uh, so, but the question remains: Are we actually doing the right thing by El Blanco? We're so focused on our own livelihood and keeping our land and all this kind of stuff that. Does El Blanco have rights? Are we actually respecting El Blanco as a living creature? We've got this sort of weird symbiotic relationship with El Blanco now. Well, and they, they like El Blanco and they think that they're doing uh, the right thing mm-hmm. just on a daily basis. But they point out some really simple, valid things. Like if El Blanco comes too close to them and looks like he's a threat, what do they do? Bert throws concussion grenades on the ground. To, to scare the creature away. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt him, but it freaks him out. Does El Blanco have anxiety? <laughs> this is a legit mm-hmm. question. Like, is that a really... Is having a constantly panicked Graboid good for you or the Graboid? Mm-hmm. That's a fair question. And I like that yeah. the episode at least brings that up. And of course, what it turns out is all of these animal rights activists are only in it for the money. Some of them are genuine, but when they find out that the scientific research saying El Blanco was actually in, imperiled mm-hmm. was full of shit... Then everyone who actually did care left because it's kind of a no harm, no foul situation. But it does kind of raise a valid question and then just back off and demonize animal rights groups, <laughs> which is, I, I mean, mean there's, which, there's which the, is something. Well, it, it falls into Bert Gummer's worldview. Yeah. So it makes sense in that per, from that perspective. But yeah, um, they introduced uh We've seen the the character in previous episodes, but the doctor, like the animal researcher, yeah, there's a doctor who comes back every once in a while. Yeah, she she's like a, a recurring character, uh, and I played think, by Sarah Rafferty. Yeah, uh, Doctor Casey Matthews is the character's name, and um, 
it looks like she was going to be a new regular on the show. You know because, Sarah Rafferty, by the way, from the show Suits, which she was yeah. on 134 episodes of. Damn. I never saw Suits. Neither did I. Now I know her from Tremors. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it looks like she was. they were setting her up to be the exposition character. It's like there's a new there's this new creature. What do we do? Well, luckily now we have a lab mm-hmm. and we have this place where we can actually figure things out on and in a much more scientific basis. Yeah. And I think go into a little bit more explanation as to what the monster is because you can't just sort of have random monster and way to kill it week after week. That would get a little old. So It's, it's interesting. It, it allows for a little bit more for lack of a better term biodiversity in the monsterverse. It actually it's interesting watching this show gradually become a show yeah like there's a lot of elements of it that probably should have been in place more or less from the beginning but they sort of figure out we really do kind of need a scientist on this show and Christopher Lloyd is too expensive to have every week so we need another one Hmm. in retrospect we didn't really need Christopher Lloyd but okay and and I do love that they entered when they introduce new characters it's always women it's it's mostly a female driven show that's true Burt Gummer's the main character but the bulk of the supporting cast is all women yeah and again Tyler's a non-entity but yeah. he's fine I don't hate Tyler he's just not very interesting they should uh, have they should have had uh, the Rebel McIntyre character back you can't get Rebel McIntyre of no, course no of course not you, you recast that role but yeah ex-wife Burt Gummer and his ex-wife you, you gotta get don't, a, don't like each other, but they work well together. That you gotta bring great. her back some, You gotta bring her back someday. You got to. I mean, yeah. if the series had continued, you had to bring her mm-hmm. back. It's only a matter of time. Uh, the next episode is Water Hazard. Uh, in this episode, uh, one of the kids from the original Tremors uh, has grown up and become a real estate guy. And he's mm-hmm. actually quite rich. Which is the premise of one of the movies. Yeah, it's the premise of uh, Back to Perfection, the third one, is he's trying to develop the land and they have to stop him. And they're sort of betrayed by him because you grew up here. Why are you doing this to us? Um, And he's back on the show. He's in a few episodes. And this is the big one that he's in. Uh, He has built like a a resort nearby Mm -hmm. down down the road a few clicks. And his premise is it's a lagoon in the middle of the desert. Mm -hmm. It's an oasis. It's it's an oasis. It's green. We've built a wonderful uh, body of water here. It's it's we pumped in the water ourselves. Uh, It's full of mix master. But anyway, Um, and uh, he tries to, for for no particular reason, hire Rosalita. Like she's fine, but like I think she 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 lives close to the lagoon. Like that's the only. I think she does, and I get that it's nice that he wants to help her and all that kind of stuff. But it's not like she has unique expertise that he needs. Uh huh. It's just I can help Rosalita. Right. Um, but yeah, the lagoon is full of Mixmaster, and it ends up having a lagoon monster <laughs> that keeps eating people. And uh, this is one that actually has a, one or two other notable cameos. Jim Beaver is in this episode. Character actor, we've seen him a bunch of times before, but he's best known uh, for, uh, what's the character's name? He's best known for playing, being on Supernatural oh, okay. in a really breakout role. All right. Uh, awesome awesome actor i'm a big big fan um so um, i couldn't say i've only seen like two supernaturals uh, oh yeah no no he's you that that show is i i fell out of it like a long time ago because you you and everybody because it's been going on for 25 seasons yeah like i look i just i ran out of time and there's too much to cover but i saw like the first six seasons of supernatural it's a fucking great show (laughs) um at least for those six seasons it's a really great show um anyway and uh bert is mostly out of town he only has a couple of scenes in this one Mm. Um, and so it's up to Tyler and Dean and uh, and Rosalita to solve the problem. And they end up... Turns out that the Lagoon Monster is full of Mixmaster. And they can't 
run the risk of letting it die naturally. Mm. Because if it does, it will just get eaten by other life forms. That's how you know Circle of Life works. And they'll all turn into monsters and we'll have a serious problem. Mm-hmm. So they have to kill it. And the only way to do that without like bursting its stomach open and releasing this stuff is to freeze it. So they have to like trap it in a lagoon. Dean Norris gets to like drive a car like off a little mini cliff and mm. block off the lagoon. It's like the coolest thing he ever gets to do. Yeah. Um and yeah, then they stop it. And then they blackmail that guy for money. Um <laughs> which is not really I, not I, really I do nice, like that Dean but... Norris had something to do in this episode. Ordinarily yeah. he just sort of comes in and gives them a, the assignment or gives some exposition. There's one episode uh, after this actually where it's a really hot day and Dean Norris is just sort of sitting around and I think this might have been Dean Norris's idea, but he gives himself a prop which gives him something to do in the scene. Yeah. And the what prop actor's doing. and the prop is a popsicle. Yeah. So he's just sort of like constantly working on this little pot, like this kind of dignified character is working on a big stick. First of all, <laughs> big sticks are sublime. <laughs> big sticks got me through so many summers when I was a kid. Same. The, these these big uh, uh, push pops, pop, basically. Pop, pineapple fruit punch, gigantic popsicles. Oh, the one I had was uh, I was a big fan of the orange ones. Oh, the orange push ups. Yeah. No, not, not the push ups. They're they're frozen popsicles on a stick. Right. Just the push ups had the little cardboard tube around them, so you'd sort but they of push were big the and they had sticks. Up. That little plastic stick. You're thinking of the push-ups with the, the cardboard tubes, right? Yeah. With Fred were, Flintstone on the outside. They were the best. The, they're, they're great. I'm not yeah. I'm not going to lambast push-ups at thank, all. Thank God, or we would well, have to cancel this podcast. <laughs> push-ups are quite wonderful. That is a, that is a deal-breaker for me. <laughs> 160-something episodes. And there Can was, I find this out now? And they were always just frozen enough that you never pushed all the ice cream out. I never had that problem. I was yeah. very pleased with myself. No, he has a big stick, which are the gigantic... <laughs> like, Popsicle ended up buying them. I think they were originally put out by a different company. But they were just called big sticks. These big, gigantic, phallic things that... Uh, were fruit punch and popsicle fla- or and uh, and pineapple flavored. Yeah, and he has one of those, which they would sell at that convenience store, and it gives him this little bit of business. And I think Dean Norris finally had a, a chance to do like a little bit of tiny, interesting character work in that scene. Mm. Uh, in this one, he gets to drive a car into a lake. He actually does something. Yeah. Finally, he, they're turning him into a more uh, involved character. Yeah, this is my point. All right, and uh, say goodbye to Burt Gummer because the last two episodes no. don't have him. I know, and it's hell. I and mean, he's replaced by a guy by that Larry guy. Mm. Now, here's the thing with Larry. <laughs> There's a premise that we've all come to understand. Uh, from television and there's a lot of like tv tropes there's a website but like there's a lot mm. of tv tropes that like earn a name because of one show that did them particularly badly for example uh happy days wasn't the first show to jump a shark however it was the first show to literally jump a shark because <laughs> that's what yeah. happened on happy days the fawns literally ski like water skied over a shark mm. And it was so ludicrous that the show just kind of couldn't come back from that. And you, you couldn't take it seriously ever again. So that's what yeah, we call they, it, Jumping the Shark. There, there, weren't, there were Cousin Olivers before Cousin Oliver. Exactly what I was about to come mm. up with. Cousin Oliver was, excuse me, Cousin Oliver was a character who was introduced really late into the, into the Brady Bunch mm. to sort of shake up the status quo because it was such a formulaic show by that point. Mm. Cousin Oliver sucked and no one liked Cousin Oliver. <laughs> no one liked Cousin Oliver. But at the very least, you sympathize with the showrunners for thinking Cousin Oliver might be a good idea because they pretty much been on for like, what, eight seasons by that point? <laughs> been on for a while. Yeah. And it was, again, it wasn't a complicated show to begin with. Mm. So I get it. You Cousin Olivered us in the first season? <sighs> in the first season, you Cousin Oliver. <laughs> 
Wow. What made you think Larry was the right choice here? I'm willing to accept the possibility that maybe Larry wasn't intended to replace Burt Gummer. Michael Gross is a hardworking actor. Maybe there was just a scheduling conflict on some movie he agreed to do. Yeah. It was supposed to film in two months in plenty of time, but turned out it overlapped with a couple episodes of the show, so they had to write him out quickly. And it just happened to be the episode when they were going to bring Larry into the fold. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a coincidence. Either way, Larry sucks. He is he is no Burt Gummer. That's for we, sure. we gushed about how warm Burt Gummer is. What an interesting, fun character he is. What how capable he is. How much you want to watch him. Well, that's the thing with Burt Gummer is he's kind of the perfect TV character because you want to be able to any sort of TV character, any sort of episodic character. You don't just have one story you want to tell with them. You want to put them in any story. Mm. So you need to know who they are instantly uh-huh. and how they would react to any given situation. And and the the example that it, this was explained to me through the example of Frasier, mm. um, and it works just fine because Frasier is one thing, but picture Niles Crane. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Niles Crane, this effete, sheltered, hoity-toity. Kind to a fault, like um, absolutely, he has no spine or anger to um, him, co- and cowardly, loving intellectual. You just you can put you can tell any situation, any setup, and you put you put Niles Crane in it. You can see how he'd react. Mm. Niles Crane goes to a Megadeth concert. That writes itself. That's a great episode of television mm. right there. You just put him in there and let him react to what's mm. going on, and it's great. And Bert's one of those. He's such a well-defined, specific character that you put him in any situation, Bert Gummer goes to Sesame Street. That's a funny episode. <laughs> that is a funny thing. I can picture that. That works. Mm. Oh awesome gosh, tremors on that would that would weirdly work kind of would wouldn't it like the grab but the graboid like becomes friends with oscar <laughs> yeah yeah lives in the sewers i live in the trash burt gummer is such a great character it makes sense that you want to build a show and a franchise around him and when you take him out of that show show doesn't have no. much left like i like the ensemble cast but burt is yeah. the lodestone he, he is he is the one bringing them all together he is the the yeah the, the keystone uh, who, who sort of yeah, tomato, keep, tomato. keeping it all together, and yeah, the rest of the ensemble is fine. And I think uh, the the Chain character, um, Layla Lee, Lee. Lee uh, she gets a little bit more to do now that uh, you know, sort of she has a larger part. Yeah, in the Bert show. isn't taking up so much space. Yeah. Um, the one thing I did like about uh, one thing I did appreciate about Larry, the one good Larry scene. One thing. The one thing. Is Larry is, you know, he's a, a geek, he's a toy collector, mm-hmm. and he understands the way toys are organized, so he has to reorganize the store, because he understands that the people coming to get Graboid collectibles are going to be looking for certain things in a certain way that uh, Layla Lee didn't think about. Yeah. Well, I actually like... I think- and, and he actually brings his field of expertise into play in a positive way. That's the one thing he did yeah. that I appreciated. The one thing... He didn't do this, but I, I actually give all the credit uh, for this. He has, like, two scenes with uh, Marcia Strassman mm. where she kind of treats him okay because she's got sort of a maternal instinct. She's a mom. Mm. Um, and she's sort of like... She's got this, like, very patient... Yes, you're annoying, but you're human, mm. and I can talk to you for a few minutes. Kind of yeah, attitude. You, you won't always be annoying. Let's work yeah. You'll this, you'll so. grow up someday. Like she's very patient with him, and she's very sweet. And 
eventually he finagles it so he's staying in her guest room, mm-hmm. even though she finds him very annoying. They actually, like, that's a scene where it actually forces Larry to stop being a performative geek and actually talk like a person. Yeah. Not even an actual geek. I know actual geeks. Mm. I'm talking about talking like a person. Mm. He actually does in those scenes. I still don't love the character. I don't think he has anything to contribute meaningfully to the show. No. But at least those scenes are calm. Mm. They're not manic. They're not trying to turn him into some sort of lovable version of the comic book guy. So, that's okay. <laughs> that's as far as I'll it's, go. It's it's so odd. Now, where is Bert Gummer? It turns out he's on a lecture tour. Yeah. They mentioned at the end of the last episode he was in, well, I, I don't know, where where are we going to get money? He's like, well, I'm covered. I'm going on a lecture tour. Yeah. That's such a weird thing for Bert Gummer to do. Here's the thing that I don't get. About, they, they should just call him out and like tie it into a, like a movie premise. Well, that's we go on a lecture tour. I want to see Bert go on a lecture tour. Yeah, Bert is a specific character. Put Bert on a lecture on a lecture tour. Explain. That's an episode. <laughs> that's him going to fancy hotels and like talking to people who aren't actually interested in what he's interested in in Graboids, mm. which is like how to kill and everything. Maybe they're they're all scientists and they want to know the nerdy stuff or, or they want to know how pu- we can exploit it for like land purposes or whatever. Or they're and, just all like tired publicists with lanyards and per diems and he just doesn't care. He's still in his fatigues. I want to find out that Bert is actually like finds himself at the center of some sort of complicated con job <laughs> and they're like trying to con Bert out of his money or his land or whatever like that. That's or, all good stuff. I Do it. Like just intercom with Bert doing that stuff like you can do that mm. doesn't work um, the actual episode actually has one of the better monsters that they have it's a uh, a swarm of bugs that are a mixed master cross between termites and uh, cicadas and maggots yeah so that they eat through just about everything they eat mm-hmm. flesh and wood they they look like cockroaches so they it's do. really gross yeah big big old long mm. cockroaches and they swarm everywhere, and there's they have this they emit this piercing noise mm. that debilitates you, so that it's easier for them to eat you. Mm. It's actually kind of scary. The, the special effects aren't the best, but they're scary enough. The premise is scary mm. when you see like a, an actor like Dean Norris, mm. who's actually a really good actor. I think everyone else is fine, but Dean Norris is a really good actor. Mm. Uh, when you see him really selling the idea that like this Cronenbergian. Mind threat where they're piercing my brain. <laughs> it's actually like ah, actually this is kind of horrifying. This episode, you see people get skeletonized and yeah, yeah, Ooh, it's kind of creepy. We, we did mention that there is some gore in this show, and we do get to see people get pulled in half mm-hmm. by graboids and other creatures. There's some guts here and there. Yeah, uh, the, I forgot which episode it was, but yeah, they like there was a, a really slow loving pan off of. You know, some decorator had access to real cow entrails, and they were just eager to get the greasy guts all over the ground. Great big gobs yeah. of greasy, grimy tremor guts. And, and well, they're human guts. Oh. And, and uh, I really admired that they, somebody just went hog wild with those, those entrails. All right, then the last episode of the show, we're going off it's- on a note. <laughs> We're going off on what I think is the worst episode of the show because a Bert Gummer's gone, so we're all, yeah. we're already losing here. Yeah, but we're also calling back to that mob episode with the Michael Rooker character. Michael Rooker has a flashback cameo, but now uh, his I think it's his ex-wife mm-hmm. who's played by Vivica A. Fox, kind of a get in like early two mm-hmm. thousands. Like she's not her star has fallen. But in the early 2000s, she was Vivica Fox. That was a pretty okay. good get. 
So we have Viv- Vivica Fox. She's now dating Richard Rill. You know Richard Rill. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's favorite big rotund mustache guy. You know him from Office Space. Mm. He's the guy who, who invented the hop to it mat, I think, or jump to it, whatever it was called. Was that one Richard Rill? He, he was Nobody the guy who, who ended up in like all beaten up and yeah yeah, in yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, the actor is named Richard Rail, and uh, I've seen him in everything. You've seen him in everything. Yeah, just a, a good working character actor. Mm. And um, he, is, he has stolen a sonic gun <sighs> that she wants to use to incapacitate El Blanco, so that the extremely annoying character we didn't talk about much because we didn't like him from the first gangster episode so that he can like take a chainsaw to el blanco and get, fish out get the that, key that key that's still inside which of has it. like it's a key like 20 million dollars like yeah. it's a lot um okay. so it's basically them hunting el blanco and bert and tyler and everyone else get sort of wrapped up in it and they no, don't know well, what's not, going not on bert, Bert's well, gone, yeah. tyler and everyone they get wrapped yeah. up in it and um Well, they in don't, the end, Larry saves the day, so I definitely don't like it. They they don't. That's the thing. They don't get wrapped up in it. It spends time with these comic villain characters, mm-hmm. and they're first of all, it's Vivica Fox, so you know it's broad. Yeah, she she appears on on screen just like, oh, we're cartoon villain now. But I like her. Yeah, though. I, I like Vivica Fox. I, like, I actually I, like her in this. I, I think I, I even I even met her once. I got that, to interview her once. That's she, really cool. She is is a delightful human being. I'm sure she is. What I will say about this mm. is in a show with a sort of almost a sedentary supporting cast, like they just hardly ever leave their buildings. Mm. When you have new characters pop up in an episodic series like this, you want them to inject energy. Yeah, you want them to bring a new vibe. Uh-huh. to it and there's so many characters who come and go in tremors and who aren't worth mentioning just because they may have been important to the plot but they didn't really contribute any personality mm. vivica fox made a choice she chose to play it really broad and i thank her for that <laughs> i think i i'm not gonna give her an emmy for it mm. but i appreciated her efforts she tried to make this bad episode of television work, <laughs> and it's not her fault. Okay, I think in another, I think in a better written episode, she could have been great. Mm. But instead, she's spending all this time trying to talk to a nothing character, trying to convince him to do stuff we do not give a shit about. That's at all. Uh, Sonic gun. That it it it's so Saturday morning cartoon at this point, and I yeah. appreciate that it always kind of was facing in that direction. Sure, but they went too far here, yeah, and it, it just so it was insufferable. Does not mm. work. If Tremors the series had lasted a hundred episodes, mm. I actually think it could have. Yeah. I think I do think that the it's it the main cast. I think you switch around a bit in season two. I think you get rid of a couple of people. I think you keep most of them. I don't know if we need Tyler. Keep the Dr. Casey character. Yeah, she's fine. Uh, She's fine, because we we need that character to give exposition. Please keep Burt Gummer. You have to keep Burt Gummer. He's he's the star of the show. I don't know why specifically the show got canceled. Like, I don't have, like, the producers explaining, Mm. like, oh, we ran out of money, or sci-fi just wasn't feeling it. If the reason this show was canceled is because we couldn't, keep Michael Gross on the show. Mm. Something happened, he got a better deal, another offer, got for a better health scare. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. If the reason why we don't have more Tremors a series is because Michael Gross couldn't commit to a series. 
fine. <laughs> then the show was definitely not canceled too soon. In mm. fact, it was canceled two episodes too late. Because you need Bert. I like a lot of the other characters, but you need Bert. Mm. Or you don't have a show. If Bert wasn't going to come back, I don't want more of this. If Bert was going to come back, I'm torn because I don't think they nailed it. And I think they're very clearly kind of flailing, trying to find where the show is. But I think they're close. They're def- Well, they're definitely close because they were, they were, it wasn't like they were flailing, but they were trying a bunch of different things. And I think they hit everything they got. I think they introduced all of the right elements. They just need to trim out all of the unnecessary stuff. Yeah. You said they need to trim out characters. Maybe characters, maybe uh, make the map of perfection a little bit more explicit. Maybe have yeah. like uh, you know more citizens here and there. More, maybe a few more surrounding areas, like they're close to a big town, and they can go to that yeah. sometimes. So you've introduced the mix, mix master element, so you can have a monster of the week episode whenever yeah. you want. Um, yeah, travel around a lot more. Maybe have some sort of like mobile graboid truck. Imagine if there was like a graboid mega weapon. Okay. So that way you can change up the setting a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep the characters; they're all fine. You need uh, to give, except for Larry, you know, and, uh, and you need to give Rosalita something to contribute. And yeah, give give something to Rosalita. Uh, she just she's, doesn't she's, have a reason to be there most of the time. Don't cut her; just give her something. Yeah, like I don't know, make her Bert's new protege, or have, have, her, have her replace Tyler. Tyler's dead weight. You don't need both of them, right? You're right, actually. That's a good point. We yeah. don't need Tyler. I don't know. Maybe he's the producer's son or something. But <laughs> if he's not, we really don't need... Like, I have nothing against the actor. It's not like he ruined the show. He just doesn't add to it. No. He just yeah. doesn't add to it. Like, he's just... There's a there's a, there's a a name for a writing technique that I don't know if a lot of non-writers know. It's called dovetailing. Picture a dovetail. It's like a, it's like a triangle. Um, at the two ends of the, of the triangle... You have two characters. If they, they if they each only serve one function in the story, you might as well make them one. You put them together. It's called a dovetail. Mm. <laughs> so, like, if you have a character like Tyler, who kind of only exists to run that service and occasionally join Bird on Adventures, and if you have a character like Rosalita, who kind of only exists for, I actually don't know why, it was, it was, combine them. It was the connection to the city. That was what, but that they, was her function. It hardly ever comes up. Yeah. Just combine them. Mm-hmm. And since it's too late to do that in the first place and just have them be the same character, mm-hmm. just get rid of one and give the other one their job. Heck, Tuvix them. They mix master together. <laughs> Dix master doesn't work on humans. Dang it. <laughs> Except in one case. <laughs> Um, yeah, I th- and I think they, they had everything set up. Um, they have the budget. They have the exact right tone. I think they have... Uh, this was like sort of a, a great series getting off to a shaky start. It, that's what it felt like to me. I don't know about great. I think, like, I think, like, I think, it, I think a, a at fun least an, series. an enjoyable series. Yeah, yeah. A light hmm. Saturday afternoon. They're showing three episodes right. in a row. Hmm. You might as well crack open a beer I, and enjoy it. I don't think I'd want more than like four seasons. This isn't one of those things where I want to be like watching it still a decade down the line. Like, no, what no, the no. hell could you do with Tremors? But I, I think I I want more. Of you this. so this is uh, definitely so I'm saying canceled it is too canceled too soon. I'm I'm on the cusp of this. However, mm-hmm. I do love Tremors. Again, my caveat stands. If you can't get Michael Gross back, if you can't, on, on if you can't least, get Michael Gross back, f it. it don't make don't, more. Show. It's not worth it. Yeah. If you can get Michael Gross back, then yes, the show was mm. canceled too soon. Uh, real, real fast. I was just because we led up to the, the the show in terms of movies, and then we got to the show, and then we didn't talk about the other movies. Just want to give you a quick primer on the other Tremors is because they're quite good. Mm. Uh, the next 
Tremors movie, which was only made a year after this movie. In fact, maybe that's why Michael Gross was busy. Maybe he was doing the film. Oh, that's uh, possible. I, this, the show and the movie were made at the same time. So that might be just yeah. the case. They just needed Burt more. Uh, the next one is actually quite good. Uh, it's a prequel called Tremors The Legend Begins, mm-hmm. and it's all about how Perfection Nevada was founded, and when Burt Gummer's like, great-great-grandfather first showed up. Also played by Michael Gross. Yeah. And he's not Bert. He's actually a high society man he's, he's, who's a, totally a out of place. Well, well mannered, very timid character. And over the course of they have over the course of the film, he learns the importance of self preservation and survival. And it's pretty fun, actually. It's pretty Billy, fun. Billy Drago shows up as this like gunslinger they hire to kill the graboids, and it's fun. It's a yeah. fun, fun movie. Uh, cheap, but fun. The, all the sequels are cheap, but when you, but, yeah. but it's especially you start really noticing how cheap it is when it's supposed to take place in like the Wild West, and they can't afford all the cool <laughs> Wild West stuff. Yeah, so they did, they just went to the usual abandoned Wild West set that's out in the California desert, which um, is burning down right now. Oh God. Thanks. They're all burning down. The whole state is burning down. Uh, the next one uh, would actually come in quite a few years later, fourteen years later. Tremors Five Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one where uh, it turns out that graboids have started popping up all over the world, and it turns out there's slightly different species of graboids. So there's a more violent, dangerous species of graboid that's popped up in South Africa, and Bert and his new cameraman for his like reality TV thing, played by Jamie Kennedy, go off to, to hmm. stop it. The original writers aren't involved, other than like they created the characters. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, it's fine. Uh, it, Jamie Kennedy is actually not a bad intro, uh, addition to the cast. He's got a good tone to him. Then they, they have good. He has good chemistry with Michael Gross. They're both totally charming actors. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Kennedy was so big in those Scream movies, and he just fell out. I guess he, he made bad movie he choices. He committed to trying to be a comedy guy, and I think that's what killed him because he tried oh, to okay. do stuff like um, Malibu's Most Wanted. Exactly. And stuff. Like yeah. that was, and like he had like a prank show or whatever. And I just oh, feel like right. that really wasn't the wheelhouse. I think he was better as a part of an ensemble, like a good but he, character. Actor, but he's kind yeah. of funny in an ensemble. I think that mm. was probably where he should have pushed. But he's fine in that. It turns out we find out that he's uh, Bert's illegitimate son. Yeah, I didn't like that twist. I don't like it, but whatever. It doesn't kill it. And then the last one, as we said, was Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Came out just last year. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's another one that's hindered by budget. It's supposed to be in the snow. It is not (laughs) at all. It's kind of pointless in that regard. Um, And um, I get the impression that Michael Gross, his heart wasn't entirely in that one. He just felt a little less present. But, well, I mean, um, he, he, he's no spring chicken. Michael Gross no. is is an, an older fellow now. No, he spends like he spends a good chunk of the movie like laid up in bed because <laughs> like, oh, he that's gets injured, true, right? you know. Like, so it doesn't quite. It, I would say it's the least mm. of the motion picture franchise, but it's still an okay watch. Yeah, Mike, Michael Gross is seventy two this year. Yeah, he's, he's no, no, no. Kudos to him, and he looks great. He's mm. doing great. It's fine. I'm just saying, it just it doesn't have the same energy as the others. Yeah. Whether it's it's anyone's fault or not. Doesn't quite have the same vibe. Mm. Um, and then, are they making another one? I heard they might be. There's, they've been trying to get another one off the ground. I guess because the last one wasn't so well received. Maybe mm. they weren't going to try to keep on going forward. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the Tremors whole mm. series, and especially the TV series, which is an okay watch. I think it's a little hit or miss, but clearly the potential's there. Um, I think it's light and fun. It's it's, it's just to- totally enjoyable. I don't think it's another show, and this happens a lot. The older the show is, the more like this is. I don't think it's meant to be binged. Like when you <laughs> when you mainline five tremors in a row, you start mm. realizing there's really not a lot to this, is there? But I think mm. if this was on again in the afternoon on the Sci-Fi Network and I cut like two episodes in a row, I would have a really good time with it. Mm. So that's Tremors, the series. Uh, we'll be back next week 
with one more horror uh, series for the month of October. Hopefully we can get it done by Thursday, but it's actually a really busy week, so we're going to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. October has been really rough, as we said before. Uh, but we are going to be doing... We already did Kolchak the Night Stalker last year. So this year, because our patrons demanded it, we're doing the Night Stalker. The reboot. The other, the Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Yeah, starring Stuart, I almost said Stuart Stownsend. Stuart Stownsend. Starring Stuart Townsend, the guy who isn't Jonathan Reese Myers. Stuart Copeland. Uh, Stuart Townsend, who I, I, you might know him. He was in, um. Didn't you play Lestat? Yeah, in Queen of the Damned. That was what I was trying to think of. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't really, doesn't really, uh. Wasn't it something with Kate Beckinsale, or was that Scott Speedman? No, you're thinking of Scott Speedman. Okay, they're the same guy. They're, no, the, they're, they're all the really they're all the, and Taylor Kitsch and Sam Worthington. They're all the same actor. They're yeah. they're all just they're, there's this big hunk of like fleshy actor uh, actor blob <laughs> like underneath like, a like, studio like and, good chin. Like but it's, that's it's about just, it. It's, it's like a bunch of good chins glued together. It's this big glistening <laughs> goopy mass. Kind of like the fungus thing in the Super Mario Brothers movie, and some poor intern has to go down there with a machete, <laughs> hack off a piece. We'll name you Stuart Townsend. Yeah, grow another leading man. This one's called Scott Speedman. (laughs) They're just not even trying. We have no animosity towards any of those actors. They're they're fine, but it's clearly they're 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 better. A lot of them are better looking than they are actors. I'm not super familiar with Stuart Townsend's work. He's never particularly impressed me with anything I've seen him in. Maybe he's an awesome Kolchak. We'll see. It seems we're, like we're an uphill battle. But seems like an uphill battle because Darren McGavin was iconic, but we'll see. We're going to give it a fair He's, break on the last episode of no, Ghastly Tuba. No one could possibly be as good as Darren McGavin. No, no, but I do think that's an unrealistic standard, though. And like the Not whole thing is, does he is he good in his own right? That's all I need. Mm. You know, that's the thing. Like there was like, oh, the sequel wasn't as good as the original. Okay, fine. Is it okay? Hmm. That's fine then. <laughs> as long as it's not a bad movie, I'm fine with that. So anyway, we're doing the Night Stalker. Enjoy. Uh, over at Patreon, patreon.com slash critic acclaim, which actually we might need to change once again to critically acclaimed network for a couple of technical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick around. We'll make that announcement um, if that's the yeah, case. Man. Just a heads up. Um, we might need to change your RSS feed if that's the thing. Um, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber. We're going to keep, no matter all of this technical rigmarole, we're going to keep on doing the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, fine. We just so said we're, 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 once the dust settles, you know, at the very worst, you'll have to catch up on a few episodes because of all of the shifting around. Our, our, we're, but, we're, uh, the technical stuff is not what we're good at, and unfortunately, we don't have the money to, we don't, yeah, we can't, to do we can't it right. We can't hire so a tech person. We're so doing we're the best sort of, we can. Yeah, anyway, uh, but over at patreon.com slash critic acclaim, which might change slightly, but now it's critic acclaim. Uh, we have a Patreon, and for $1 a month, a measly $1 a month, uh, you can vote for future episodes of the show. We do at least one poll every month. Yeah. Um, and at, at least. And yeah. often this we do multiples. Uh, October, we did the whole month. Um, and uh, for $5 a month, you get bonus episodes of the Cancel Tucson monthly movie, which, because of illness and stuff, we're a little bit behind on. We ended mm. up deciding to do a really long mini series. Thanks for picking that way, I'm sorry. That was, it was my, my doing. It's, it's not, the month when we do all movie franchises and shit. And we I want to choose like an actual mini series. Three hour goddamn mini series. Okay, three. I could have picked I Claudius. All right, and that's thirteen I hours. Told you. Okay, fine. 
<laughs> I picked um, a three-hour miniseries. For, it's, not, for, it's not as bad as it could have been. Uh, and, and, at the, uh, and at higher ranks, you get all our yesterdays, the podcast where we review every episode of Star Trek ever, and uh, also Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. um, and also we do commentary tracks and Google Hangouts. So that's over at patreon.com slash critic acclaim. Uh, we'll make an announcement of that website changes. Yeah. Um, and I just want to give a big shout out to every one of our patrons. And also, if you can afford to be a patron, we get it. I couldn't afford to be a patron. <laughs> like, I get it. Oh. <laughs> Times are hard. Uh, but uh, leave us a review uh, if you can. Tell a friend if you can. That'd be really great. Um, until next time, uh, you know, hang in there. Mm. Stay well. I hope everything's fine with you. Good luck in all your endeavors. <laughs> Try not to let self-doubt get in the way of the things that you want. And uh, if you can find us on Twitter, I'm at William Bibiani. And I'm at Whitney Seibel. And we are at Cancel Too Soon and at Critic Acclaim. That's a wrap. We'll see you next season. 